0: Welcome back to the What's Your More podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Harris, as we start episode 90. And when I hear that, it just absolutely blows my mind, because we are getting very near episode 100, which is a huge deal for us. And, uh, and we're super grateful for it. I mean, you know, because you've got an amazing audience, you guys rock all the comments you're putting on our YouTube channels right now. Absolutely love them. You know, if you haven't got a chance to check it out, subscribe. Please do. You guys are killing it out there. We love the feedback. The one we just did on the DoorDash episode uh, and showing the differential and price points on there and the amount of money that can be saved if you just did a simple carry out or pickup. Uh, I love what we're hearing on that from all platforms. And I think what I'm getting is a lot of parents' feedback. You know, as we talked about, you know, those kids from 12 and 18. What does that look like when they're ordering that stuff out? And the feedback has just been incredible. So, guys, thank you so much. Episode 100 is a, just a mega. Milestone for us. Most podcasts never reach that. That start, and uh, it really legitimizes the podcast as a whole. and uh, And to do it in under a year—that's the other thing. I mean, we're going to be ten months in, and we're going to get there probably about month, you know, eleven. Right at eleven, we're going to get there. So, really excited about that, and uh, look forward as we jump on past those episodes and really getting to that number one hundred. Uh, big deal, guys. Thank you. And just if you could, just five star review the podcast. Please share it with some friends, uh, family you know, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, all those platforms. I will stop the shameless plug right now, but just excited and just want to say thank you guys. Uh, definitely appreciate it. It's been a, uh, it's been a fun run so far. I can't wait to see what we do next and, uh, and bring on more guests. Big shout out to all of our guests and our co host Daniel Halverson, Alex Stewart, and uh, my producer, Charlie Walker. It's just been a uh, pretty, pretty amazing so far. Uh, and, and, seeing how people are appreciating this. So thank you guys very much. So speaking of that last episode we just did, um, you know, we were talking about like, how do you how do we help people save, right? I mean, and we showed 80% right out the gate that you can save on food costs if you're using a DoorDash service, which I imagine many of our listeners are just based on the feedback that we've gotten. And so today I kind of want to talk about the the most recent inflationary index that came out remember there's three of them there's the CPI there's the PPI and then the PCE I know that's a lot of acronyms right so we're going to focus on the PCE uh, the personal consumption expenditure and you know by definition what that is is that's that's just a measure of the prices that people living in the United States or those buying on their behalf pay for goods and services right and inside there you know we have a regular inflationary called the headline right that measures everything and then the core and the core strips out food and energy because of the volatility. And that's what the Federal Reserve likes to look at as the core. And then there's a sticky core, right? Or a super core, as you may call it, one of those two. That just means they take housing out of the equation. So now we've got everything in there minus housing, uh, energy, and and food. So when we take a look at these things, it's kind of, it's interesting to me because uh, the index went up a little bit, right? I'll just cut to the chase. Index went up a little bit, but nothing to be too alarmed about, if you may. But what was interesting is that, you know, there are some analysts um, from around the country that uh, have made some commentaries in regards to maybe the Federal Reserve, you know, should take a look at home prices, because that's going to make the index, of course, look higher down the road. And I thought that was kind of something to sit back on and go, well, I mean, last time I checked, the home prices weren't included in there. Uh, When they come up with housing, the housing component is made up of a rent history. And then the owner's equivalent of rent, which we've talked about for years, meaning like, hey, you own a home, I call you and I'm like, hey, how much will you rent your home for? And you go, X amount. Well, that's how they're deriving that archaic at best. I do agree. Um, that's how they do it. So when you see an analyst come on or, you know, a consultant come on and say, you know, yeah, they need to consider that housing prices are going up. And then, you know, as, as the housing component of inflation, that's going to, that, that of course, it's going to go up and you're going, that, that's not how they calculate it. So, um, maybe, maybe, maybe it was out of commentary. Maybe it was, it was, you know, broadcasted incorrectly, but it was definitely not relayed correctly. Um, But inside of that are are consumer spending habits, right? And when we look at consumer spending habits, we talked a little bit last uh, two episodes about the credit card debt situation, that we've breached a trillion dollars. And why is that important? Well, we've had a massive jump over the last two years and credit card debt actually went down during the COVID era and now has come back up uh, post COVID era. And we're seeing first time in the history we've breached a trillion dollars. And 50% of that debt is not being paid on a monthly basis with an average credit card rate of 23%. Now, that's that's pretty high and bad, by the way. And we know that that mixed in with another ingredient, which is going to be the student loan debt that comes due October 1st, over 34 million Americans are gonna be impacted by that with an average student loan debt of $353 per, per loan. We know most people have more than one loans. That's gonna apply additional pressure to each household. And you know, yet, the, the administration right now tells us the economy is good, right? And so the purpose of this episode for me today is to say, hey, listen, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things like, you know, I grew up, I grew up with my grandfather saying, hey, show me your friends, I'll show you your future in the circle of five that you hang out with the most that you start to become the sum of those people. Well, fast forward into social media world, you can say the same thing. Like, you know, if you're constantly surrounding yourself with social media, you start to become a component of that, right? Same thing with the news outlets that you listen to same thing with the people you hang around with, right? So If the news outlets you're listening to are telling you that, hey, listen, we have a strong economy, things are going well, well, let's just take a couple of look months back into March when SVB had their situation and they collapsed, right? What was the premise of their collapse? Their premise was that a they bought too many long term assets at a very low yield, right? Mortgage backed securities, they they bought you know the lower interest rates on there, and they bought long term treasuries at lower yields, and they did that on the premise because the current administration kept telling them, hey, listen, inflation is transitory, which means. Temporary, that this won't last, things are good. And so they bought into that. And then they had a bank run. And we've described in numerous episodes what that led to. But my point was that executives made decisions based on what the administration was telling them. Now we've got an administration telling people that we have a strong economy. But the way I look at strong economy is, you know, we should be having manufacturing at a a better situation than what it is, it's actually below uh, a, a healthy level, which means we're producing less, right? So we have limited amount of products being produced. So of course, those are going to be inflated. And we also have um, a savings rate in America right now as I pull up a chart. And if you want to take a look at this chart, because I mean, I can talk about it, but a picture's worth a 1000 words, I would definitely go to our YouTube channel and take a look at this on there because my producer Charlie's going to stick it in there like he always does with these graphs and puts all the, the good information. But this this is astonishing. So when you take a look at uh, at the timeline on this, I went all the way back to um, 1959. I just pulled it from the Federal Reserve as long as they've been measuring this. And when we get in here, when I take a look at 2020, like, yeah, that savings rate was at an all-time high. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons why it could have been at an all-time high. I mean, it was at 33.8%. Like, that's pretty impressive, right? And the second closest one was in the 70s at like 17%. So effectively double, right? That was because A the money that was coming in from COVID relief packages. We had numerous, numerous rollouts of that, right? But more importantly to that, there was nowhere to spend your money. Like you weren't going on vacation. You know, lots of states opened up at different levels. And so the the spending habits started to, basically go in different levels based on what your state was allowing as far as restaurants being open and vacations and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There was online retail, but I mean, it was only accounting for so much. So we went from a 33.8 savings rate to just, you know, just about a year later down to 26.3. And then we look at a next year later, we're at 3.5. 3.5 came in last week. 3.5. So from 33.8 to 3.5, that's pretty dramatic. Like some would say that's like a cliff, right? It, It fell off and it's not good. And so the reason I say that's not good is because that right there, that metric tells me that A, not only are Americans debt financing their life, but they're dipping in their savings to make, the payments they have to make. And and I'm going to argue here that I don't think uh, I don't think Americans are just buying an abundant amount of stuff. I don't think they're buying a bunch of retail and a bunch of excessive items. I think the damn items are a heck of a lot more than they used to be. And they're probably buying less but spending more. And that's that's inflation, right? But a lot of that also is because of the manufacturers that I'm talking about, we have less manufacturing now than we did, you know, two years ago, right? Well, before COVID, let's back up because COVID, obviously there was less manufacturing, but before COVID and we haven't restored back to those same levels that we were at prior to that. And so we're paying more for less items and we're doing that out of our savings rate. Yo, thank you so much for choosing us today. We're definitely not done with our podcast, but we are going to take a really short sponsor break and then we'll get right back to the show. I've been in the lending business for 20 years. I've seen many different lenders. During those 20 years, I recognized there's a difference between being an originator and an advisor. And the team at Bank of England is full of advisors. They take their time to understand your needs. They take the time to structure a mortgage for you and your family. And I cannot recommend them enough. If you're in the market to purchase a home, maybe it's a second home, maybe it's an investment property, or you're looking to refinance your current property that you live in, take a minute to work with the advisors at Bank of England Mortgage. They're a nationwide lender, and you can find your local branch at BOEMortgage.com. com. because it's more than loans, it's people. Thanks so much for letting us give a shout out to our sponsor. All right, now back to the podcast now, we've all heard that you should save for a rainy day, right? Saving for a rainy day is something that many people uh, say just to kind of remind you, hey, listen, when the dark days are ahead, you want to be glad that you had a savings account nest egg over here to help make up for that. And, you know, th- those could be anything loss of job, you know, bad economy, inflation, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. But what happens is to me, I think that when things are going well and you have an abundance of something, you're saving it. Kind of like what you did in 2020 on this chart, what people were doing. You had a surplus, therefore you're saving and putting that surplus away. When you don't have a surplus, you're dipping into your savings, which means things probably aren't good. And to me, when I look at this, this is another uh, data set that shows me that the economy is not strong. You know, it, it's not as good as the current administration wants to tell me that it is. And when I see a a Federal Reserve policy that's tied to inflation, and I honestly believe that the government is undermining everything the Federal Reserve is trying to do. You know, you've got the Federal Reserve raising interest rates to do What? battle inflation. They're raising interest rate, short term interest rate to battle inflation. And the whole concept is to tighten the system to where you the consumer don't want to spend any more money, you would rather save it, because the prices of the items have gotten so, um, so much that it doesn't even make sense to buy it. But in the meantime, the whole concept is to stop the circulation of money. In the meantime, you've got the federal government operating at a deficit, right? So what are they doing? They're creating more money in the system. That undermines everything the Federal Reserve is trying to do by raising interest rates, and they're continuing to do that. And so I think until that stops and some other real hard topics get tackled over there, we could potentially see a counterproductive policy from the Federal Reserve on the raising of these interest rates, and that's something that we've talked about in our lending update, and it's something that we've talked about constantly on this show that could represent an issue. But the reason I wanted to bring this up today regarding credit card debt regarding the savings rate and regarding the student loan debt is that, you know, if you're operating in a household and your mindset is, hey, listen, things are going to get better. Things are, things are getting better because the news, social media, it's going to get better. Maybe look at the other side of that coin and operate on, hey, what if they stay where they are now? And are we in a position where we can make that work? Or are we in a position where we need to pivot and readjust? And do we need to maybe look at some things to do differently to account for what's going on right now? And I just want to share that with you, because oftentimes that's overlooked in these situations and I don't want that to be our audience. So as, as I bring this up here, last episode, we talked about how to save 80% by cutting off and maybe not using a DoorDash service, Uber Eats or, 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 or Grubhub, et cetera, you know, there are areas in which we can explore to help kind of curtail some of those spending rates and still do some of the things you're doing on there. So uh, I hope you guys like some of these items that we're bringing to the table here and sharing. Uh, Next episode, we'll be back with the lending update, tackle a lot of things in housing, uh, and tackle the big rate question on there that I know we keep discussing. And then uh, by that time, we'll also have uh, the Federal Reserves uh, FOMC meeting that we'll be able to tackle as well later on in the week. So guys, appreciate everything. 100 episodes right around the corner. I can't say enough thanks to all the people that have helped make this show happen. Streamline Media, Charlie Walker, Daniel Halverson, Alex Stewart, big help. Shout out to all you guys and our wonderful guests as well for spending time on this show and bringing uh, a lot of knowledge about growth and leadership to the table here. So guys, till next time, check us out on our socials at What's Your One More and also follow us on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. That's that's a lot to say at one time in our youtube channel but thanks again guys till next time see you what you one more i got one more shot i'm gonna make it one more chance i'm gonna take it i meant it when i said it now it's time for me to do it i got one life to live so i put them all into it yeah